Taylor. I'm Rachel. And, and we're, we're the Barclays. This is our podcast about culture, Christianity, politics, and our radically optimistic take. That's right. Our new tagline. <laughs> so radical. And uh, today we are joined by a guest who I'll introduce in a moment. We thought we'd talk about masks and COVID. <laughs> I actually, uh, I was I was corresponding with our guest a few weeks or months ago, and then I thought, oh, well, COVID won't be a thing, and masks won't be a thing we need to talk about anymore. And then, lo and behold, this week, uh, or was it last week? I was like, it was, it was it, last week. Whenever week. The, was it this week? The court order where um, a federal judge. That's right. Uh, struck down the CDC rule mandating masks. Uh, and it's been a little bit of a ping pong where the Biden administration said, that's cool. Then they said, wait a minute, we're going to appeal this. If the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, says that masks are good for health. Uh, and then the Center for Disease Control said they probably are good for health. So it sounds like the court order will be appealed. So it was a chance it could get upheld or overturned as the court things go. So with all this uh, ping-ponging and masks, are they effective? Are they not effective? Is COVID over? Is it continuing on? We needed help. So here we have one fabulous guest, Tom Romeo, who was a coworker of mine at Stand Together, Stand Together Trust. He now works at the Charles Koch Foundation. He has a master's in public health, so he's a trained professional from the University of Arizona. Uh, before joining me as a colleague, he was at the Goldwater Institute working on healthcare policy and uh, the Viper Institute at the University of Arizona, which Tom, does that study uh, uh, venom? It is. Uh, it, <laughs> Viper stands for Venom Immunochemistry Pharmacology and Emergency Response uh, Institute, Viper. Wow. Um, Wow, yeah, I thought you were Bryce. joking, Taylor. That's no, no. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is University of Arizona. There's a lot of rattlesnakes uh, around. It's, it's true. So, were you like it was like getting the venom from the snakes, that kind of thing for the antivenom? Yeah. So, um, basically, there, what they do is they they collect venom from different uh, venomous creatures in southern Arizona, and they do a biochemical spread where they figure out which, what components do do what, and maybe to ascertain some medicinal benefit for some of them. Uh, so it was actually a way of, of kind of uh, generating pharma, uh, pharmacological evidence for uh, additional therapeutics. Wow. Wow. Amazing. A lot of science in that statement. <laughs> Tom, Tom has done sciencey things. We've only done political sciencey things. Right. I think what, you had a good question though, Rachel, to start us off. Yes. And before I ask my question, I'm gonna use my only expertise in this conversation, the political sciencey thing, to add a little more to the background. Oh, so good, 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 this, good, good. This federal judge. Um, so most, and Tom can probably correct us on this too, most public health authority um lies in the state so you know you had different patchwork of governors passing different um kind of reactions to the pandemic throughout these years um but one area why you know why the cdc originally had this authority that got struck down by this judge is because there is some federal authority when you're crossing state lines 
and um, under like a public health emergency, if diseases can be transported across Mm. state lines, Mm -hmm. that's why the mask mandate applied to transportation airplanes. And I believe this judge, and again, Tom probably knows better. He'll tell us what's up. Um, But this judge in her decision um, basically came back and said that masks and the mask mandate doesn't contain viruses across borders. And therefore, this was an overreach of the uh, CDC's powers. And that's why it was struck down. Tom, did I get that right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, basically, my understanding anyway, is that um, is that, that her, her problem was where the mandate originated that it this mandate superseded what an individual agency could do without legislative authorization so her thought was probably makes more sense for congress to make this call than just the the cdc unilaterally doing it um so yeah that was that was the crux of her i i believe at least my understanding of her disagreement there good clarification Rachel. All right. And question. <laughs> All right. So now that the political science is out of the way, <laughs> Tom, will you tell us, you know, the I think that everybody is a little more skeptical or has thought more about public health in quotes than true. they've ever thought about before in these past years. Um, will you tell us what public health is? Yes, um, that's it's a question. It's it, public health. one of those things that means a lot of different things depending on who's using it. Um, but generally, so kind of the top level World Health Organization definition, uh, I'm just going to read it so I don't get it wrong, but the art and science of preventing disease, prolonging life and promoting health through organized efforts of society. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the general general snapshot. And uh, gosh, that, that means a lot of things. Um, and so, <laughs> right, like it's, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, but I think the traditional uh, role and focus of public health, at least uh, from, from kind of its inception, was controlling communicable disease mm. through communal spaces. So like water sanitization, uh, understanding sort of the way diseases spread in areas where people gather. Um, it was it was focused largely on communicable disease, not not something that's like a chronic, you know, condition like like a diabetes, for instance. Ah, uh, okay, got it, got it. That's helpful. Um, and has would you say that you know public health as an industry has a uh, has taken a hit from a trust perspective? <laughs> I think so. I think, um, well, honestly, it, it is um, it is a shame to see because, in a lot of ways, it was avoidable. Um, mm, so, how so? I, I think so. With 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 masking, with vaccination, with with all of these issues, lockdowns. Um, basically, the CDC in particular, but our public health bodies took the position of. We're following the science, but that's where their humility sort of stopped. Mm. They were saying, yeah, we follow the science anyway. Basically, you're a bad person if you're doing these things or not doing these things or whatever. <laughs> um, and so, and, and I think I, I, um, from just like a, uh, a, maybe a more science perspective, 
what the public health bodies were doing is setting policies like mask mandates and all of the you know, vaccine requirements for some things without showing their work for how they came to that yeah. conclusion. Yes. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways undermines trust, a combination of a lack of humility with a lack of visibility for the decisions that they are being that are being okay. made. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe to the topic at hand, um, you know, this this interstate requirement where masks and transportation and airplanes, trains go across state borders, judge uh, said that doesn't it's not lawful. So then all these airlines on uh, was I think it was Monday said we're not requiring masks anymore. And there were whoops and hollers and but then there were also whoops and there were whoops and hollers and joy and whoops and hollers of like, how dare you? you know, not require masks anymore. So the burning question, perennial question, how we're two years into this pandemic, how effective are masks? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think, so there's a few things that I'd say, like one thing that's absent in the mask conversation is a lack of specificity. So basically when we say masks, what, what do we mean by that? I mean, do we mean N95s? Do we mean bandanas? Do we right. mean respirators? Like, what, what do we mean by that? And I think that um, understanding that question is really key because there's only a single randomized cluster trial um, that has been executed, and this is pre-pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. that the CDC is using to kind of determine their, their mask mandates. And it showed that uh, cloth masks have zero effect on spreading a car, a SARS virus, mm. uh, wow. which is the, a coronavirus. It also showed that, that, um, uh, surgical masks is only 10% of efficacy and that N95s are 30% efficacy in reducing transmission. Um, and so that is, that is the basis of the evidence for this, um, generalized, everyone needs to be wearing masks um, kind of si- system that, that, that was, that was implemented. And now like, honestly, at first I kind of get it. Like intuitively masks make sense, right? Like, you, you, you know, you, you don't want to right. spread like surgeons wear masks. Like I, mean, I get it. Like it, it makes a lot of sense. I think the problem though has been a, just the indiscriminate use of it, regardless of what type of mask, but, but, but be the lack of um, investigation into how well masks actually do work. There hasn't been a single study. The CDC hasn't studied once. NIH hasn't granted one single randomized control trial in in masking. I don't have any idea. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. That's shocking. Um, it is. It's it's jarring because you'd think, right? And this kind of goes back to maybe the trust thing. Like you'd think that, yeah, at first there's grace for jumping in and being o- maybe overly cautious yes, or doing totally. everything we can. But I think that what's required is following up and hey, how well is this is this working? Is yeah. this actually affecting things? And um, especially on airplanes, where you know there's there's experiments running constantly all the time in every airport (laughs) right like there's no reason for us to not um, at the very least be conducting some sort of randomized trial Mm. um 
at least comparing the types of masks. And the only other thing that I'd add that's really interesting about the single Bangladesh study is that they're using it as for a basis for for masking in schools as well. When no, uh, when children weren't a part of that because N95s are not made for children, and so huh. for children, there's even less evidence for masking than wow. um, even adults. Wow! Follow the science. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've got to conduct the science, though. You know, to yeah. follow it. <laughs> you got to have the science to follow it. <laughs> wow! Wow, that's so interesting. How like under talked about that is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean there, there's a few, you know, there's there's a few scientists on Twitter that talk about it, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it is. It's surprising how 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 not common knowledge that is for most most conversations like this. Yeah, and I think there is something there's psychological to that, like wanting to do something to protect yourself and protect others, right? There's like this this want to do something and that's the only thing you can do, right? There's mm -hmm. how much can you do? Um, so with that, you kind of gave us some percentages. So if I'm still feeling iffy about getting on a plane with a bunch of people from all over the country and I wear a mask, does that do anything? It does. Yeah. Um, it does. It, 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 the, again, the only, evidence that I have for saying that is that 30% number that we have out of the study for N95s. Um, I think that part of the concern with, with, with indiscriminate masking has been a false sense of security for people wearing cloth mm -hmm. masks um, or, you know, Hey, this, there, there's people around me that are wearing masks just as long as they're wearing masks, like everything's okay. Um, N95s I think are going to be your best bet for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's at least what the evidence is saying so far. And some of the anecdote that we're, that we're seeing coming out of the States. So it's fair. Is it, is it accurate to say if you have a whole bunch of cloth masks and that's what you've been wearing, just go ahead and give it up. It's a false sense of security. I think so. Um, that's actually <laughs> what, uh, that's what a lot of, I mean, gosh, Rochelle Walensky even sort of basically made that point in January that cloth masks are not effective. Um, and I don't know if any, if either of you noticed this or, or anyone else has noticed this, but like the masks have sort of changed and we're seeing less and less cloth masks. And there are some True. places that ask for, you know, surgical or N95s as opposed to just cloth masks are no longer acceptable. Right. Um, uh, and that's because Walensky in this uh, sort of mentioned said that back in January. Uh, and that's what I think is kind of strange about the CDC's response to this um, because they've already sort of sort of said that cloth masking isn't very effective. but huh. So like how do you how do you handle and <laughs> think about this then? Like uh, you're seeing this one study, you know your your training, your experience out there, um, and you see, say, a mask mandate or a culture that wants masks or doesn't want masks, like, how do you, Tom, and maybe with your family, like, navigate all this and think about it? How does it make you feel? What do you think when you are just balancing? I mean, it's such a contentious issue, mask mandates yeah. and wearing masks, and it's almost become like this, uh, it's become political too, right? Like, 
<laughs> if you vote blue, I'm going to guess that you're very pro masks, kind of come what may. And if you vote red, then I'm going to guess you're not as mask friendly, anti-mask even. So I, so how do you, how do you navigate all this? Yeah, gosh, that's a good question. It changes, but really like, <laughs> honestly, it's like whoever I'm around, depending on the kind of, I read the temperature of the room. If somebody's, if somebody's signaling that they're uncomfortable or wearing masks, I certainly defer to that. Like on Ubers, for instance, today, mm. one of my Uber drivers was not wearing one. So I was kind of like, well, all right. Like that's, you know, then I got on another Uber and they were totally masked up. So I, you know, decided, Hey, like they, this is just making them feel more comfortable and mm. I'm not in the business of making people feel uncomfortable intentionally. Um, that's just not how I do things. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess what's what what what's the motivation behind that that sentiment? You know, I I think just because hey, it's such a low cost for me to just throw on a mask, and if it makes someone feel uncomfortable, me not wearing one, and you know it's low cost to me. I'll just throw it on. Like, it's not a big deal. That calculus changes though with my toddlers. because Uh, um, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, like the way like masking full stop is not, we're the only country in the world that requires children under the age of five to mask. Um, No other country on earth did that because the world health organization advocated against child masking and CDC is the only entity on earth that pushed for it. So Mm. knowing that and knowing the costs incurred on children, the potential costs incurred on children, I, uh, I tend to sort of, Hey, I'm willing to throw the mask on, but I, I am not, I feel weird forcing my kids to, yeah. um, that's a, that's a complicating factor, I think for me. Yeah, yeah definitely. Kind of, I mean, that will piggyback on the question we normally save for the end, but, um, I think it flows well. Um, you are also a Christian like us. And so a lot of, I know you probably calculus is, um, your faith behind this, how, how do you think that Christians now with this kind of the mask mandates done, it's not a government question anymore, unless, you know, things change, how should Christians handle this or how might Christians handle this? Not every Christian's going to handle it the same. Yeah. Um, so two things, I mean, the, the, the first, I guess, to, to, to take a step back with, COVID and just kind of faith generally, I think there's a risk um, with COVID and with kind of being a, like kind of particularly um, focused on, on trying to avoid transmission of virus. I think that in some ways idolizes health hmm. where, you know, health is great, but, but isn't necessarily something that's 100% in our control. Hmm. And so I think it, I think in some ways uh, feeling like you're in control of, of your health or in control of these things doesn't necessarily foster always a closeness with Jesus or trusting, trusting in, in kind of his will on earth Mm. basically. And so I think there, there's some risk there. If you believe that you are, you start to believe that you're in control of your health, you're in control of these things um, I think that's, that's kind of a risk. And so maybe there's, there's two things, there's trust, but there's also grace. 
um, yeah. really for people. I, I think some people, we're all just figuring out what to do here. And some, some people feel more comfortable with masks. Some people feel comfortable without them. Mm. And I just think the, I just think for a, from a Christian perspective, meaningfully being a practitioner in grace is, is a helpful, helpful way of, of thinking about it. People make mistakes. People are going to do things. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I think Jesus shows us that we need mm. to be gracious with those around us. Man, those are really good points, yeah. especially that first one. Um, yeah, this idea I've, I've thought about this in really, so I am third trimester pregnant. I have a lot of health issues as our listeners know, had a pulmonary embolism, which is in your lungs. It affects your lungs. So I'm definitely in the high risk category with pregnancy and that. Hmm. And I've thought about this in relation to, um, we decided to return to church after the Omicron variant kind of died down. So we hmm. kind of waited for the variant to yeah. die down in this yeah. area. Um, our family decided to watch church on TV, which, you know, maybe on one end of the spectrum, people would say, you should have no fear and just go out there regardless. Right. And, um, but you know, we, we balance some prudence with some faith. And at this point, right, there's not zero risk for COVID. Um, right. but the risk is a lot lower. And so in my head, it's been a little bit of a step of faith showing back up to Sunday services where there's, I don't know, a couple hundred people in the sanctuary who knows where they've been that week. Right. Um, but just the importance of to us getting our family back in the body of Christ physically feels very important after, after such a long hiatus. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had that thought Tom of what you shared of, you know, actually we're all not really in, if I know anything, we're all not in control of our health. You can do everything <laughs> right. Eat all yeah. the kale salads, do all the yoga, wear all the masks and, um, you know, crazy health things can still happen to you. That's true. Maybe to that end time, like before we switch to the, the our final segment, uh, is COVID over? Is COVID over? Uh, no. Well, okay. It depends on what <laughs> I would split it up. So the COVID crisis part, I think is close, if not over, pretty much over mm. because actually a combination of Omicron and uh, vaccination has mm. sort of prevented this thousands of people dying every week crisis mm. that we honestly we were living through that like that was happening it's true um yeah and right. so omicron is actually really interesting because usually at the end of pandemics the last viral strain has increased transmissibility and decrease mortality and huh. that's basically what omicron is mm. which means more people are surviving and more people are having immunity. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, that crisis part is over. COVID won't be over per se, because it'll never go away. There are still cases of the bubonic mm. plague, for instance, like that's, that's still uh, around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it doesn't just fully disappear. They become an endemic. Um, okay. So that would just be my answer that it's uh, both over and not over. That's really helpful perspective. This is why it's good to have Tom is like reading the stuff. An expert. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, uh, love the discussion. Let's talk about our media stinkers and thinkers. With <laughs> the Tom. fun part. Tom in the mix here where we pick our 
favorite and least favorite media, broadly defined, whatever that might be from the last week or two weeks, I guess. Uh, Rachel, you want to start with your stinker? My stinker. Okay. Um, maybe this kind of relates to public health. Uh, <laughs> I started watching The Dropout on Hulu with Amanda Seafried playing Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. And I like really wanted to like it, but she and I like her a lot as an actress, but she just didn't nail Elizabeth Holmes for me. Like she was it sounds bad, but like too feminine. The voice was not right. Like Elizabeth Holmes has such a distinctive voice. She does. Yeah. And I read other reviews saying like, oh, she hit the nail on the head. I think she's like she's so far off to me of like <laughs> the interviews I've seen. Um and yeah, I just couldn't huh. couldn't get into so it. You stopped watching it. I stopped watching it. I think Taylor, you said it's too soon to too do soon. Yeah, all these, all these, yeah, tech dramas. There's the WeWork one, which is you know, is that oh, tech? Yeah. It's probably not. And like the Uber mm-hmm. one. This is just like five it's years ago. Way too soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be in the, more in the rear view mirror. Yeah, uh, Tom, you're a stinker. Um. So. I liked the show You on Netflix, the first season. <laughs> and I think I liked the second season. But what, is, really, what is You? It's like he's like a stalker uh, kind of guy oh. that um, yeah, it's really good. I, I, I like darker things usually, but, um, but he's, um, he's a stalker. And it, it, but, it, but it's a weird thing because it makes you feel a little like, like he's trying to protect this person and you're like kind of see a little bit why like it, it's just a complicated show it makes okay. you feel a little complicated about it um and then the third season is just so bad like i watched <laughs> i watched one episode and it's so bad they like i i, I can't even describe it's difficult to describe how bad i thought the wheels the wheels came off the wagon <laughs> fully off first episode <laughs> of the third season in my mind but that was just, all yeah, right that was just my thing that happened recently <laughs> okay. we haven't seen that yet but we won't start <laughs> rachel doesn't like creepy things yeah i don't like creepy things. yes then didn't, yes do not start. didn't you take your wife on like your first date to see a like creepy movie <sighs> Yeah, well, okay, so it was, <laughs> in my defense, so in my defense, Jen said, um, I like scary movies, and it was Halloween, I was like, sure, like, let's see what's streaming, and, and we watched Paranormal Activity, um, and I thought it was great, I, it's a good movie, you know, um, How romantic. But, she, but she was not into it, obviously, and then she didn't sleep, I think she said she like, slept with the lights on for like two weeks, and I didn't Too know, and I, I'm just not good at that. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that. wow well i love that story uh my stinker <laughs> is that jonathan Haidt article that everyone's sharing including katie perry tweeted it out i mean if katie perry mm-hmm. is tweeting i mean talk i mean that's that's a wild success like for any anyone who's written an article anywhere <laughs> <laughs> an intellectual article yeah what's it called uh, it is called why the past 10 years of american life have been uniquely stupid it came out on april 11th oh. I mean, you've got governors sharing this and everyone's just like, oh my gosh, this is the answer and it's awesome and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like warmed over. Social media is bad for society. I don't know why it's taken off like it has this time. Uh, I'm writing a longer response that's being edited right now <laughs> that no one, Katy Perry will definitely not be 
um, it'll be read, be read by not even dozens, probably. But anyway, I'll read at least half of it. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Um, at least half. Yeah, I can commit to that. But it's just yeah, warmed over old school arguments. This new technology is what's making us. The whole notion of uniquely stupid in American history is wrong. Like my my operating theory, which I think is beyond moving beyond a theory, is American history and politics is chaos is the norm. So maybe even like stupidity is the norm, or what, you, what some people would call stupidity. I think it's like Jonathan Haidt calling some things he doesn't like st- stupidity. So that's my stinker. I'll hmm. stop before I take up the rest of the, the hour. I think there's. Uh, I was reading Matt Iglesias had like a piece about how this like we're we're blaming it on social media, this kind of stupidity of our national arguments and misinformation and disinformation is going nuts. And that's all, you know, destroying democracy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But that has been going on with or without social media like this is. Yes. Kind of just the norm of American politics yes. throughout yes. our history. Oh man, I'm gonna get, get together with Matt. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's your thinker, Rachel? My thinker is I'm gonna keep on. If you're a regular listener, you know that I love um, historical, you know, period piece films and movies. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, The Gilded Age is what we're watching now. Uh, I really love yeah. that, like turn of the century this is a new york city uh society and kind of the i think it's made by the same guy that made downtown abbey mm. kind of the same period of going from the old school society into modernity and yeah all the uh, upstarts like vanderbilt and jp morgan yes versus <laughs> the old school new yorkers like the astors Anyway, I just love love that time period. Love the whole storyline. They could do it 10 times over and I'd still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> they just get further like granular yeah. into the late 19th century. Tom, what's your thinker? I, um, I'm a really big Phoebe Bridgers fan. And she is came that? out with, she's a musician. She's okay. like an LA based musician that they, they, they call her like a, a serial collaborator where she just like mm-hmm. collaborates with a ton of different artists. Um, one, it was with Jackson Brown, like her, uh, I think it was wow. her and Jackson Brown did something. It was really interesting. Um, but she has a new release song this week and I really like it. And even better, my daughter Claire really likes it because hey. she, she'll, she dances to anything that has a beat to it. So um, it's a win-win. I don't have to listen to uh to the Coco Melon songs uh, right now. <laughs> I thought Claire was a big Beach Boys fan. She's a big Beach Boys fan. That's true. Yeah, she is. And she's what? That's still her favorite band. She turns two in three weeks. So, she's okay, wow. so what, what was, what's the name of the Phoebe Bridgers song? Uh-oh, it's scrambling. called... It's, <laughs> it's called Sidelines. Okay. Sidelines by Phoebe Bridgers. Okay. I'll, yes. uh, I'll give it a listen. Taylor, what's yours? <laughs> My thinker... I've already thunked the <laughs> the new batman movie i feel like you have dang it i did oh, man i saw it a while ago yeah this oh, crud. a while ago Uh-oh. well now i have to scramble for something. sorry i'm just like my only thing <laughs> dig deep wow or batman um uh <laughs> what is this? <laughs> 
What have I enjoyed lately? <laughs> um, I've enjoyed a lot of things lately. You can double up and say Batman twice. No, like I don't want to so say it twice. Um, I mean, I'm reading I'm like halfway through a bunch of books, finishing up like, Where's My Flying Car by J. Storrs Hall, which is interesting. So their book on social media, which is this good. segment's not about you bragging about your reading list. I'm behind. <laughs> I'm behind on my reading list. I'll have you know. Um, TV shows, uh, and some video games, music. Um, I'll, I'll plug an album. I'll plug an album here. Okay, sorry for making everyone's life miserable here. <laughs> People have uh, already turned this off. Okay, yeah. here. We, yeah, right. <laughs> shut this guy up uh coffee spelled with a k uh a reggae artist her album gifted i love especially the opening track times 10 uh it's probably gonna be my number one played track of the year it's very it's just about like a minute 45 and she just talks about in that song times 10 how she's gifted times 10 blessed times 10 there's there's this line where she has you know pour blessing in the cup in the cup break the tray and I wake up every morning thanking God for my family and the blessings I have. And it's just like a really, hmm. real good uplifter. Wow. It was, yeah, it was just, I was like, I've been driving around and kind of like you know, mad at traffic or whatever. And then this song is like, oh yeah, I, am, I should thank God for the sunshine or whatever. Uh. Yeah. So Coffee with, with a K gifted her new album. Give it a listen, especially if you're a reggae fan. <laughs> Who isn't a reggae fan? I mean, right yeah so good note to end on yeah so thanks for joining us tom for stinking and thinking and uh talking about covids and masks uh really appreciate you spending the evening with us sure i uh, i love spending the evening with you too that's great great conversation <laughs> thanks tom thanks tom